Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Just like that, the final hour is here. OutKick 360 on this Tuesday edition. We're broadcasting in Nashville. 6th and Peabody, the home of Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. You can follow us on socials at OutKick 360. Paul, you mentioned uh, the new Titans wide receiver. You had a chance to, to catch up with him yesterday. Taller than you expected? He's listed at 6'3". I, I mean, I expected him to be big, and uh, and he's big. So I, I feel good about, uh, you know, look, Josh Gordon hasn't done anything in the last three years, and he's really been a complete miss based on all of his trouble with the league over his – addiction issues and and mental health stuff that he's talked about and it's hard to rely on the guy you know if he's got it together at least he's here in time to be part of the titans game plan for their first game he's on the practice squad right now cody hollister is you know you know what cody hollister is is the titans fifth wide receiver is going to go out there and block and you know, he'll be in the right place. He's not going to get separation from anybody. That This is something that somebody tweeted me that is absolutely true about the Titans. When the fifth receiver is on the field, the ball has a way of finding its way to the fifth wide receiver. That's the problem, right? I'd rather the fifth wide receiver be Josh Gordon than Cody Hollister because Josh Gordon has amazing athleticism. He may, I mean, his Even athleticism is better than anybody they have currently on their roster athletically speed wide yeah. pure speed and athleticism different cat now he's three with his speed he's 31 he's probably like I, I would say his usage doesn't make him 31 but the off-field problems he has yeah. probably offset the usage thing so i think he's very much 31 and you're generally not looking for 31 year old wide receivers but this is what happens when you under address a problem right and when you in a great wide receiver draft, wait till the fourth round and draft Des Fitzpatrick, who hasn't made your 53 two years in a row. How great would it be if they had a fourth-round pick from last year as their fifth wide receiver right No now? doubt. So this is all a cause of a blown and, draft pick. Well, and the thing I like is uh, he had the opportunity to stay in Kansas City and chose to sign here. Same op- like you well, sign he on the practice the squad. squad yeah. Yeah, yeah. He knows the backlog in Kansas City. But, is This is a better it, place to get in front of people. Point being, he wanted the opportunity. I mean, he, he, wants wants, he wants to play. This is not a, hey, I was comfortable in Kansas City oh, and no. went through training camp and knew the playbook and I could have stayed there. He's seeing an opportunity here. So that, well, I, I like that's that. That's also about a testament him. to Robinson and Vrabel's sales pitch ability. If he wants to play Sunday, he needs to block Wednesday through Friday. Block. Yes, that's how you get on the field in the, For the Titans. That's absolutely true. But I would, I would suspect we're more likely. Cody Hollister. I would, and Cody Hollister, the one thing he does well. Now that's my point. Is, like is that's block. why they, that's why they'll use him. I, I would suspect the earliest we see Josh Gordon is in Buffalo Week Two. If you really want to surprise the defense, 
put in Cody Hollister and throw it to him. <laughs> like instead of because if Cody Hollister checks yeah, forget in, Robert Woods, you know, I'm immediately thinking, all right, let's all pinch in because this thing's going to that big guy in the backfield yeah. right here, and I'm about to get blocked on the outside, and they're going to be going my way behind big Cody Hollister at wide receiver, and instead just play action and. Let him go up the field. I don't know if it was the last time they were in Buffalo. I'm thinking a week ahead now. Was it the last time they were in Buffalo that Nick Williams dropped a touchdown pass? Another middling receiver who – it was in Buffalo. I don't know if they've been there one time since then, but another illustration of the Titans' wide receiver woes. Um, You know, reason for optimism with Gordon, but it's because he's not – um, you know, Mason Kinsey or Cody Hollister or uh, Reggie Roberson who, who got cut, who everybody was saying, oh, this is going to be the new, you know, back-end receiver, and he didn't even stick on the practice. It, it is interesting how you said the fifth receiver when they find the field always seems to find the ball <laughs> coming towards them. I'm right. It's that, true, that's, right? But I, I don't, you know, it doesn't happen everywhere. It's not like I'm watching every snap of every other team, but I feel like that doesn't happen a lot of other places. Uh, well, you don't hear people bitching about it uh, on Twitter about their teams, but here it's a primary subject of conversation. Well, game's on regular. the line. Final pass. They're throwing to Nick Westbrook exactly. Right. I mean, he's not the fifth wide receiver, but he's not who I'm forcing the football. How did, and how did that work be. out? <laughs> he he should be. triple coverage. The Titans lost. No, yeah, he's triple covered. Well, the year before the target was Khalif Raymond. Yeah. who also was not a high-ranking wide receiver. So that, there's your consistent point. In playoff games, the last pass I'd, went to I'd those love, two guys. I'd love to see the Titans back in the playoffs, and this time the target to be either Traylon Burks or Robert Woods, if you're going to be targeting someone in those moments. well, on a, on a third, You want them to play well enough also to warrant being the target in that moment yeah. throughout the year. Well, at this point, Chad, on a, on a third down, I'm envisioning in, in January, I wouldn't mind it being Kyle Phillips. You know, a guy who's who's carved out a role and has a, a very strong niche as a guy who can get to the sticks and is crafty and can shake people. He, he's carved out a much more distinct role for himself bar, than anybody on the team but Robert Woods well, so they, far. The Titans may also have returned to the era of having a reliable pass-catching tight end target yeah. this season. Yeah. Which could be a big, a big part of that on third down and big moments. Um, it Austin was when Hooper. Delaney Walker was here not so long ago. That definitely needs to be the case, especially early. AP Top 25 is out for this week of college football. Alabama doesn't move. They remain the number one team in the country. Uh, followed by Georgia, who hops over Ohio State this week to claim the number two spot. And that's where Ohio State is, is at three. Michigan moves up four spots. Michigan is the fourth-ranked team in the country per the AP Top 25. And at five is Clemson falling one spot after last night's win over Georgia Tech. Uh, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, Notre Dame falling to eight, Baylor and SC. SC's now up into the top ten. That's your top 10 teams. Chad, what stands out to you out of the top 10 this week for the AP poll? Well, we went through our playoff picks uh, last week, and what stands out to me is my playoff teams are one through four right now. Uh, we, one week into the season, I had Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, but all in the playoff with an Alabama-Georgia repeat of last year's national championship game. USC, I think, jumped up three spots this week. That, that jumped out to me, 66 points in game number one for Lincoln-Riley. Tennessee getting into the top 25 at 24. And big news for number 23, Wake Forest today, Sam Hartman, their great quarterback, all-ACC performer 
a year ago had blood clots. And uh, it, I believe just today it was revealed why he was out. He was getting treatment for blood clots. Well, he's back. He's been cleared to play. He's going to play in Nashville this weekend against Vanderbilt. So bad news for Vandy. Good news for Wake Forest. Really good news for the ACC, uh, who I think needs some good teams. And they've got a top 25 team in Wake Forest who played for the ACC championship just a year ago. So good news for them getting Sam Hartman back. Not good news for uh, my pick which to be fourth, which is now 13th. But win the rest of your games, well, the Utes, and they'd be just yeah, fine. Well, the other one is Florida, going from unranked to 12th. I like that move by the voters because yeah, big, strong, Florida scored move. the biggest win of the weekend, beating, beating a top-10 team in Utah. So they deserve that recognition, and now they're up there at 12th. That's the right move, and that's relatively rare for them to jump somebody that far, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it is unless it's week one. And the other that's one that's where they adjust it. The other one, NC State falling five spots even in a win, a close win at ECU, where they were a thirteen and a half point favorite. Bad win. They go from thirteen to eighteen. Two teams right now that I want to see more of that I don't feel like I know a lot about, having watched some of their opener, both in the Big Ten. 14th ranked Michigan State, 19th ranked Wisconsin. I'm just withholding judgment on those teams right now after watching some of their games over the weekend. Don't really know much about what I like with them. Speaking of the Big Ten, I don't think we've mentioned this game yet. I got caught up in Iowa and South Dakota State on Saturday. Did you guys happen to watch any oh, of this I game? I saw the stats. Seven to three. And not a touchdown seven. Well, the off- Field goal, two safeties. But the wow. offensive to to stats were even more impressive than the two safeties to get to seven. I mean, it's, you're, it, takes, it takes some effort to, to not be this bad on offense. It was unbelievable to watch. I mean, neither team – I mean, credit Iowa's defense, I guess, because they were just stoning the Jackrabbits <laughs> all day as well. Yeah. But, I mean, it was – and the memes that were being sent and everyone watching that game – there was one, Davey, we got to find this and post it. I'll, I'll send it to you because someone that I've never heard of tweeted it out. But it was a picture of a very Midwestern-looking middle-aged man in a plaid flannel shirt, and he's holding up the exact same plaid flannel shirt on Christmas morning that someone gave to him. And the caption was, Iowa showing off their new offense this year <laughs> to go with their old <laughs> offense. And it was the same exact flannel shirt from the – it was great. We'll find that and tweet it out. Here are the it end, was bad. end of half drives. Um, field goal, interception, the second half, punt, three plays, two yards. Uh, Iowa gets the ball, three plays, minus nine yards, punt. Uh, next possession, six plays, seven yards, punt. Next possession for Iowa, four plays, 22 yards. Punt? That ends on a punt, yep. And... Three plays minus two yards, punt. Next possession for Iowa, field goal. Four plays, five yards, field goal. Yeah, really moved. <laughs> and, uh, I get a see. punt return? Uh, let's see. The rest of the possessions ended in punts and a missed field goal in four plays and five yards. In total, I mean, there's nothing, there's no drive other than two of the final 13 that had a drive that had uh, more than 10 yards 
in that possession. So you're telling me this is not and the most was 11 exclusively great defense, but uh, also no. inept. I mean, it was South Dakota State. <laughs> yeah, but the, I mean, with all due respect to them, they're a good FCS but the, team. Uh, but this is a team that a Big Ten school should score points against. Yeah, but the, the thing is, like, I think to be that bad, you almost have to. It's like a part of the game plan, like in a weird way. Like it's not to score points, not the game plan, but like to be this just awful and old school. <laughs> like you have, like, there's a mentality of it where you have to just commit to being awful offensively, and you're going to win nine to six. I mean, I I said it while watching. They did it last year. Yeah, while and watching, they ran it back. Uh, in Utah, it's not the same because they score points. But watching Utah, Florida, I'm thinking, I like the fact that they're different. They're not a fast-paced offense. It looks like you're watching a college football game from 1989. The difference with Iowa is they're the same way. They're just not good. (laughs) Offensively, I'm saying, Utah's good at running over you and getting big chunks of yardage and play action and going deep. And they got an athletic quarterback who can run. Right now, I don't think Iowa has any, any of those things. They're just running the 1989 offense with no success. Fun team, fun team to root for. I don't know how you go through that misery of last year. Because they, they had a team that could have won the Big Ten. Now, I say could have. I know I realize they got thrashed in the Big Ten championship by Michigan. But at one point, I was being discussed as one of the top teams in the country. Not one of, like one of the two or three in the country. And what was it, week seven? That all quickly went down the drain. They and beat, they beat Penn State. Offense. They beat Penn State. Both were undefeated, right? And they beat Penn State in yeah. early October. And I think they got to 5-0 and or 6-0 and at that point. And they scored against... Um, and then they, it went downhill from like there. put up like 50 or 60 against Maryland. Remember, it was like a Friday night game. Yes, yeah. And they actually scored against Maryland. I know that game was on Friday night because I was in Scottsdale, Arizona at a bachelor party watching it. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up. I remember watching how they just destroyed Here's, here's Maryland. the photo, Chad, you asked about the... Of the old school uh, offense. This is here. so great. Same shirt. It reminds me of my father-in-law. This this photo with the shirt and the outfit. But this was the caption was Iowa showing off their new offense that's different from their old offense, and it's this guy with the the same shirt. We have a graphic for the uh, the conferences represented in the top twenty-five. We're we're about to run through as well. Um, the yeah. So I'm watching uh, I'm watching Twitter, and they're just disgusted by this. Uh, Iowa performance and I couldn't I didn't even want to try I didn't want to put forth the effort to find this game uh, what was it Big Ten Network to was into your remote I, I think it was Big Ten Network and I was yeah because I think it was going the, on it was in the, the early yeah it was the early window yeah. because yeah that's tough the follow-up game was Nebraska and North Dakota which was tied at halftime it's tough <laughs> so to they went turn from Iowa, away South Dakota State to Nebraska and they were both Good games for a bulk of the game. But to turn away from North Carolina App State to go peek in Opposite on Iowa, ends of the spectrum. And I was, I was doing that and NC State and That's a big uh, East Carolina at yeah, the those, same time. Those morning games were good. The, 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 they kicked off the right way with those two games in the state of North Carolina. Um, here are the representation uh, or representatives for the conferences. So... Um, Eight teams for the SEC. Six. Is, is that six or five? Six. It's tiny. Oh, uh, five. For it's the five. ACC. Yeah, no, you're right. It's five. Uh, Big 10 with four. The Big 12 with three. And the Pac-12 with two. There you um, go. I, I laugh when I see you know the top two, SEC and ACC, because 
Pat Narduzzi, Pitt's head coach, was talking yesterday and was asked something about, you know, playing Tennessee. And he said, well, you know, I know a lot of people are going to be picking Tennessee because, you know, they play in the big boy conference and we play peewee football here. So we'll see if we can play with them. You know, said something like that uh, sarcastically about Pitt and the ACC going up against the SEC. But the ACC, strong with five teams in the top 25 right now. That's, that's good. Uh, Big Ten, a bit surprising with only the four. I think everything else so, falls uh, in line. So right now, uh, eight out of the SEC, not represented yet, is Mississippi State. But they, I mean, within two votes. weeks, they've got Arizona – and then they're going to go to Baton Rouge to face LSU. Um, within two weeks, they're in. And they could be this week. So um, that game against Arizona looks a lot tougher now. Arizona went to San Diego State, who's a really good program, and won, I think, going away. By the way, that game was on CBS at 2.30. And I'm thinking, did CBS lose a bet? Well, why is this their opening weekend 2.30 game? I, I don't understand the tie-in that they're going to San Diego yeah. to watch Arizona-San Diego State. But it was... You know, Brad Nessler and uh, Gary Danielson and the crew out in San Diego for that game. I, I saw kickoff, and that was it. But I know Arizona won, so that was a surprise. So Mississippi State may have more of a challenge in that game than we previously thought. But there's not another program other than them right now that I think is a – two weeks from now is in the top 25 from the SEC. I don't see 10. No, I would agree with that. Auburn, though, we did say had a pretty favorable start. Well, they have Penn State coming up. Yeah, and then Missouri after but every, that, right? But what's favorable about it is they start with five straight games at home. Yeah, yeah. Because Auburn is the other. I'm just but looking Auburn at the, got 15, Mississippi State got 10. Yeah, I'm looking at the back end votes. of it right and now. And South Carolina, too. So San Jose State this week, followed by uh, a host. They'll host Penn State, they'll host Missouri, and they'll host LSU. South Carolina would, uh, if they went to Arkansas and won this weekend, yeah. would obviously immediately go into the top 25. That would be an enormous win. But yeah, outside of that, Hutton, I'm with you. Mississippi State's the most likely candidate. Well, Mississippi State's got a chance to be really good this year. If Kentucky loses to Florida, are they out of the top 25? Depends on how they lose. If they look bad and lose, they're probably. They're right now. If they, if they lose a close, hard-fought game, they're probably dropping a 22 or 23. And that's it. And that's probably what should happen. If Florida, is, is, if Florida comes out and looks every bit as good and Anthony Richardson takes another step and they beat Kentucky at home in a close game, I wouldn't drop Kentucky more than a spot or two in the rankings. And then Kentucky would move up a little bit more. I'm sorry, Florida, Florida. would move up a little move bit up. more. But, but the jump that Michigan made is, to me, significant because from here on out, it's going to be tough to move up four spots without teams losing ahead of you. I don't think the, the voters now moving forward are jumping four spots for teams ahead of you that continue to win. Yeah, it's, you can go up one or two, but I don't know. I don't think this, you're you're not jumping into the final, the top four. And again, this isn't the playoff ranking, but you're not jumping into the top four like that or the top five uh, unless it's week one and they're adjusting their poll. It's yeah. almost all conference games now, too, right? You're playing about to be. About, it's getting close. There's still going to be a lot of out of conference games this week, but there will be a lot more conference games starting this weekend. So yeah, this was more of the adjustment poll. The okay. We've seen games now. Let's reset a little bit of what we thought going into the season. Hit us up with your thoughts at Outkick360. Coming up, we go through the news, notes, and headlines of the NFL as teams get prepared, most of them, uh, off today. And then we'll be back on the field tomorrow 
in preparation for their week one matchups. That's next on Now Kick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Outkick 360 on the Outkick Network and streaming at Outkick.com. Coming up later this week, a full NFL preview for the season. We'll give our picks and more and a huge tailgate party outside this Friday at 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. They're bringing in their party bus Oh yeah, on Friday, and we will be live atop the party bus that they station across the river here in Nashville for Tennessee Titans games at Nissan Stadium. So they tailgate there with season ticket holders every week, and before they drive it there for Sunday's matchup against the Giants, they will park it here for us on Friday. Is We're it true get that we will be has on, a brand new wrap on, on top it. of the bus? Yes, inside the party bus that you see rolling around town. We'll be in that, uh, which is, of course, uncovered. In it or on it? We're, we're in the, where I guess you say on the bus, not in the bus, but. That's why I was asking. On top of the bus is what I'm saying. That's my understanding. There's no top on the bus, though, Chad. It's a, one oh, of these party okay. buses. I'm asking to explain to our public. I'm just throwing it out there. You can tell everybody where we are. Yeah. Inside, on it, around it. We'll There's going to uh, be a party bus. We'll we be don't broadcasting wanna, we don't live on Friday. People, will I there be will be a party beads? bus. We'll be on it on Friday. I might be throwing beads off of it. Yeah. Paul's going to bring beads. We will be I, somewhere I, I close to a party bus. Six That's gross of beads left from Hutton's bachelor party. Yeah. For all the shims that we're walking by. Lady or gentleman. Right. That was. It, and I th- I'm not sure which one they turned <laughs> I, around I, for. I, no. We, we'll never know. That's the beauty <laughs> of the situation. So, why are you in a car but on a bus? I don't know. That's a good question. I, I would say in the bus. You're in a truck. No, you're you you ride on a bus. Yeah, riding you don't on ride a bus on a car, but you're in the you're in the bus. I think it's a matter of driving it or uh But also like you size. don't say if you were driving you would say I'm driving the bus even if you were on a bus. No, but if I looked at Chad, but if I'm saying I'm in my car, I'd never say I'm driving my car. I'm in my car. Right, but if I said, Chad, get on the bus, I would also say, Chad, get in the car, not on the car. I think it's a matter of scale, scope. Yeah. More of a transit. Like, if it's a, if it's a passenger situation, it's on the train. It's on the bus. On the plane. If it's a car or truck, 
It's in the car, in the truck. Smaller. Yeah. There's Colin's butt for you on, on camera. Love that. Um, answer. When you get into a car, you're getting directly into your seat. When you get on the bus, you are walking onto it and then walking to your seat. Interesting. I guess. Yeah. I'll take that. Excellent. On or in? I was thinking about that randomly recently. We have uh, solved it. There it is. And here's Colin's laptop. Well done, Colin. Colin's about Come to make another show, camera. Show your uh, arse. So yesterday we didn't have again. cameras, and Colin got used to that way too easily. <laughs> Hit us up on uh, Twitter at Outkick360. Um, so this has never happened since the merger in 1970, where every team in the same division has finished the season with a winning record. John. It's hard to do. John brings up that he's going to have all four playoff teams uh, all four teams in the AFC West in the playoffs. You raise a good issue um, as to how it well, has to, to happen. To get there, you're saying that all like the worst team, which I think if you took a straw poll of the country, I think the worst team would be voted the Raiders. If everyone's being honest, you'd take your fan hat off because there are a ton of Raiders fans. Um, and what John would be theorizing there is they're sweeping. So the, the common opponent this year is the AFC South. They're sweeping the Titans and the Colts because one of those two teams is going to win the division they're in. The other one would be in a wild card contention. So they're knocking that team out. And you would have a head-to-head win over them. And they're beating up Houston and Jacksonville, clearly. Right. And then they're all going like three and three against each other. And what would happen? I mean – the worst team in the AFC West would end with a record around nine and eight. Seven. Nine and eight. Yeah, nine and eight. So you'd end up with a, 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 the the extra game allows you to get the winning record because it's happened. the The last place team. There have been several seasons where the last place team in the division is eight and eight. But again, the key is the winning season. We may see it for the first time. And the best team. I just I, think I, they, I haven't looked at the math, but the best team I don't think would have a very good record. If you if you've got a nine and eight last place team, and they're all going three and three against each other, the first place team is probably at ten or eleven. Yeah, right. They're very tightly bunched. If if you're all going to have a winning record, you're very tightly bunched. I don't see it happening. I, I think it's too difficult. I, I don't either. I also think uh, the was, Chargers and the Chiefs. John said it, I also think the Chargers and the Chiefs are a, a notch, a good notch better than the There's other. There's something. Two. I, I believe the Broncos are the worst in the division. I do too. And I, I'm probably an outlier there. I do think that most people too. would say the Raiders. But if I'm slotting that division right now, I'm going Chiefs, Raiders, Chargers, Broncos. I'm going Chargers, Chiefs, Raiders, Broncos. Why, are the, why do you guys have the Broncos last? Uh, I, I think Russell Wilson's obviously going to help them, but I, I don't see that big of a leap coming with, the, with how good the rest of that division is. I saw the Raiders get in the playoffs last year and beat the Chargers in a game they didn't have to beat them in. Uh, they had it tied, and they, they ended up winning the game. I think the Raiders are better now with Devontae Adams. I think the Chargers are better. I don't think, they're as, I don't think they made the improvements the Raiders did. In the offseason, Raiders, I believe, got better at head coach with Josh McDaniels. I like Chiefs-Raiders the top of the division. First year, first but I, time You guys know me. Coach. I've never been as high on the Chargers as you guys have or, or Herbert. So. First year, first time head coach, I think, takes some time. I've never been as high on Russ, probably wrongly so. 
And I think um, I think the rest of the division. I, I think there's more of a gap between the top two and the other two. I don't think there's much of a gap. I'll say that between all of them. I think it's very, that's why there's the, John throws it out. There is a mathematical chance of it happening. There's a razor thin margin. I think between those four chiefs probably have the best separation right now at the top, but not much. So I don't there think is, I don't think it's uh, much of a drop off from one to four. Well, let's dive in on the Chiefs a bit. I think the Chiefs because, come back a touch because of Tyreek. Well, they they have they have made it a point to play their offense this preseason. It is almost a mandate from Patrick Mahomes because he's coming off that playoff loss where he, I mean, his worst game of his career in the playoffs. It was awful, and that's self admitted. And I don't know. It, to me, there's a um, there's an unsettled feeling with the offense coming off of last year's playoff loss to Cincy. And it took them a while to get they, going. You remember at the beginning so of the season. You just expect them to get going, right, in yeah. that game. And even in their worst performances, you expect them to pick up. The, the Texans game comes to mind in the playoffs from a few years back. But they... I don't know. They, the way that they have been stressing, you know, and they waited a while to name the enemy as the guy that's coming back to confirm that he was going to be the offensive coordinator again. When Again, you, you still have Andy Reid there, but it was just a, I don't know. I feel like they, the, the dynamic as we see it with Kansas City offensively is a fuse that's burned out, not, not from Mahomes and not from Kelsey, but from Bienemy and then the pieces around them. That's why they trade Tyreek Hill. And they're less explosive without Hill. So last year, we remember early season, they struggled a little bit and Mahomes struggled a little bit because everybody was playing him in a too deep shell and they had to settle for underneath stuff and kind of march a little bit more instead of getting the home run plays. And they were having trouble adjusting to that. They finally did and they were fine. Now, with what they have replacing Tyreek Hill, uh, that's probably going to be how things go more often. Well, they got good at it by the end of last season, but they're going to be a less explosive team, have to be more patient. Not that they're not going to get their explosives, but they're not going to get them as often as they got them with Hill. Um, they got to run it more, too. Yeah, and I don't believe in their run game, quite frankly. Edwards Alaire has has never been anything close to what he was estimated to be. I'm forgetting the name of the guy behind him. Daryl Williams. Daryl Williams. Um, and, you know, maybe he he's more of a solution to it. I know they run well enough to win, but they haven't run well. No, it's not a, it's not a focus. You know, it's just kind of a – they'd run it out of necessity sometimes. I think it is – uh, very necessary for them to get after it in the run game this year. They have a very solid offensive line. I would put them up there at the top with how they've drafted and replaced and retooled. Um, I'm interested to see Sky Moore in this offense. We haven't heard much from him this preseason. And I think if they can find a consistent run game that is able to accompany Mahomes and Mahomes isn't having to bail them out uh, with the and, and the receivers, quite honestly, with the catch and run, they will be a much more balanced offense, which I think will keep the defense. Defenses have acted like they've figured them out to some extent. You know, the Titans' defense has always performed well against them. Last year against the Bengals, the Bengals had a great plan 
and enforce some interceptions and some errant throws and pressure on Mahomes and keeping him within the cylinder, that I think that uh, loosens up a bit if you can run it a bit better. I've got a decent-sized fantasy guy who uh, checks in for for some Titan stuff and in exchange gives me, you know, whatever's a, going a, on a list. And he told me, don't buy this guy more hype. What about point. Juju Smith-Schuster? Because I'm, I'm willing to buy him having a big year. I, I don't remember what he said specifically about him, but I do remember specifically back. what he said about Sky Moore. Uh, look, I like the alternatives they brought in, but again, I, I'll maintain all the time. If you could have one guy doing it, or you need to bring in Valdez Scantling and Juju Smith and Sky Moore, yep. you want the one guy. And, and yeah, that's no secret, right? You'd Smith, rather have Tyreek Hill than than what they have. And uh, Smith Schuster, you know, he said that he left Pittsburgh because they were wanted to uh, get out of slot. Yeah, they yeah they had pigeonholed him. I think is how he said it into just this one area of the offense. And they're going to let him do a Kansas little bit. He's going to move him around. But it's still Kelsey. I mean, in in the clutch, the difference between and I'm not. By the way, I don't bring up Kansas City's offense to say I think they're you know falling. Still I think excellent. Still, yeah, they're still cream of the crop, uh, but in the clutch, they're the they're they're at the top because of the rapport that Mahomes has with Kelsey. There's very few quarterback wide receiver tandems or quarterback receiver tandems, uh, uh, tight ends, that can just look at each other and adjust a route based on the way you look at the guy. And they did that and against the Buffalo Bills defense based on the look they received. And we had Killed them. Uh, Tyrell Dotson in studio with us this offseason, and he said it was on us with a miscommunication based on our alignment on Kelsey, and they recognized it at, at the line of scrimmage. And they adjusted the route that had not called for Kelsey to go inside. And Cost them. We, we know how that game finished and how the regular uh, uh, the regulation finished and how it finished in overtime with a coin flip. Point being... It's that rapport that puts them over the top. That's the that's the trump card for me. Um, more than it is just offensive play caller or dynamic quarterback play, there there is a rapport between the top QBs and their top wide receivers that not every team has. The teams pretend they have it, but this takes time. And I mean, there is a commonality of friendship to it in some degree, where they trust each other. And I don't think that's a common. I don't think that's commonplace. As much as fans want to believe it. I, I would agree with that. It's all, it also I, I would explains also why they say, play in the preseason right. as much as they did. I, I think Herbert and Mike Williams and Keenan Allen are on the verge of some of that. Uh, I don't know if it's at, at, yeah. not at Mahomes-Kelsey level, like but at a level, first. At a level that, that turns into them being a playoff bust-out bust team. I mean, there's only – I would put uh, Rodgers and Adams in that mix – up until this year, of course, you know that that's that's the intrigue for me is what does Carr do With that Rodgers would have done at the line in a clutch moment throwing to Devontae Adams? Are they going to have the same? Well, this guy to me you know? would be Waller. Like he's had the time with Waller more than than Adams. I would look for that instinctive relationship to be first with Waller. And you can call a play and get a guy open. The best guys can can get open. You throw them, you know, the best guys thread thread the needle. But I'm, I, you, you know what I'm yeah. saying, and I agree with you. Like Otherworldly. The, yeah, other. the, the adjustments that aren't even in the game plan until the moment happens and you just, you know what the guy's going to do. Yeah, you kind of go back to the huddle or back to the sideline after a touchdown and say, how do we do that? Yeah, I think, you know, uh, uh, Cooper Cup 
and Matthew Stafford connected quickly. And that was in on one that. year. Yeah. Right. You know? But there, that doesn't happen. I, 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 you can't count on one hand, right? Brady Maybe would have that with Edelman. It's the perfect combination of work ethic, uh, football intelligence, and just putting in the time. Like, I mean, I, I think it's, it takes all those things. But it, it's a different IQ level to get on the same page that quickly. When I look at Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, that, that's what I see. Is Mahomes going to have that now with some of his new pass-catching targets? Don't know. We'll see. And that's why, to me, when we talk AFC South, you know, neither of these teams are, are in the realm of that. <clears throat> and they're both old-school teams in that they're keyed around their, their running backs. But you're not going to see Matt Ryan have that with anybody. The, the Colts don't have that caliber of receiver. And we just went through the Titans earlier. They don't have that caliber of receiver. You might see it between Tannehill and Hooper in, in time. You've seen it previously with Delaney Walker, with, with uh, Frank Wycheck. It's been a tight end-centric team. But I, I don't see it right now, you know, and it's still new for Hooper and Tannehill. And I don't see it for, for um, Matt Ryan and anybody on that roster with the Colts. They don't have anybody of that caliber. You know, I, and I'll, I'll hit on this more on Friday on how I determine my playoff picks. But in doing so, in analyzing teams, I'm judging this on which offenses can win in different ways in the playoffs. Because you, the, the, the common uh, theme with the Titans would be Derrick Henry. In 2019, they went on that crazy run through the playoffs. And then when, you need, when the defense finally stopped Henry in the AFC Championship game, they had no answer. They had no plan B. What's the plan B and is it good enough to win? So, you know, you give up nine sacks if you're Cincinnati here in Nashville a year ago. And then you go on the road eventually and you're beating Kansas City at their own game. You know, you stop them defensively, and then you end up having a near flawless performance on offense with what uh, uh, Burrow had. Uh, I, there's only, what, seven or eight teams that I think can actually go through the gauntlet of that, which is very difficult. But there will be times where you need the quarterback to pick it up. And in Buffalo's case, um, you know, they just didn't get the football. But Buffalo's defense, one of the top defenses in the league last year, Gave up a ton of points in that playoff game. Same for Kansas City's defense. The Rams, Rams defense, allowed uh, Brady and company 24 straight to come back and pull the, and tie the game at 27-all. Uh, defenses can get you to the postseason and can win you a couple games. But now, in the quarterback-driven league, you got to have that dude. And then you have to have the rapport with one of your pass catchers in order to pull it off, plus a run game. I mean, the run game does matter in Kansas City. I think that's the element that they're lacking. And I think that's why I'm, you know, I'm tending to look a different way than KC this year. I think that's, that's well said. And I, I also think it's hard to sustain the success. I know Kansas City, is, it's not like they've been you know, winning, winning the whole thing. Oh, but they're, but I think they're in the championship for their right. conference every year. Yeah, and yeah. I think your, your shelf life as that, uh, it, it's shorter. And then, Chad, sometimes you just have the best QB in the league, and that, it doesn't matter. That also helps. Um, there's a story coming down from front office sports about the amount of money the expanded college football playoff could fetch and two networks that are going to be bidding on it. All right. This is going to be a two-man race, it looks like, for the expanded college football playoff. We can discuss when we come back. So when's the current deal end? 2025 is when it's up. 
And based on uh, everything I've read, ESPN and ABC Disney would have the right of first refusal to match any offer on any bid. On the new deal. If they're in it. Well, yeah. if they, I think that's if they started in 2024, like is maybe being planned right now instead of 2026. Um, they have to be presented with the package. I don't know that they, it's right of refusal necessarily. But so if they exp- expand it before the deal's up, then ESPN is granted rights to it, and then if not, open season. then it's an open season. We'll we'll discuss. We can talk about it. That sounds good. That's yeah. next on Outkick Three Hundred and Sixty. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Outkick 360, glad you've been with us this afternoon, listening on the uh, radio, great radio partner, or online at outkick.com, 6th and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Playoff expansion could happen as early as 2024. Commissioner Greg Sankey said over the weekend he wasn't sure if it was going to happen that soon or not, but by 2026, because the contract in the current state, the four-team playoff, that ends in 2025, and Chad, it's going to bring in a top dollar. Front office sports and Michael McCarthy reporting, saying look for Fox to challenge ESPN for college football rights in one of the biggest bidding wars in college sports history. Projections have it upwards around $2.2 billion for a 12-team playoff is what it will cost. College football and the college football playoff looking for more of an NFL model where multiple networks are involved in the top level of the sport. Uh, but a lot of insiders believing it's really only going to take two networks to cover the 12 teams of the playoffs. And people believe it's going to be Fox and ESPN. ESPN, even when losing the Big Ten, is saying they have 63% of the college football viewing audience when you count SEC Network, which is an an ESPN property. Um, If they want to continue to control college football – and be the leader of college football, they obviously need to be in on the college football playoff in some way. Uh, There's another insider in the story quoted saying, would not surprise me if ESPN ends up shelling out even more money Mm -hmm. to ensure they're the only network covering all the playoff games to cut Fox out. But Fox is going to be a big player in college football also. Reading this story and this report from Front Office Sports, I believe it's going to be... Fox, ESPN, teaming up to carry a 12-team playoff. You would think the two biggest networks on the two biggest conferences would want in. And that would make sense, right? Well, And, and then you have the two power conferences controlling everything. Yeah, that, I, I, think, I, mean, I think also yeah, there's uh, a... Uh, uh, f- Fox as a vehicle of the Big Ten. But there's a look to it also. The Big Ten it's, yeah. it's, it's about revenue, and the more networks paying money, it drives up the more you can charge each, and you take money from everyone, like the NFL does. But it also, there's a... We're going to get back to the word optics here. 
I don't know that you want when you expand your playoff one network having every game of that playoff. And the Big Ten certainly doesn't. No. So from a fairness standpoint, uh, from making it look even bigger, you know, that's one way to do it. There's also that people are tired of the same teams in the SEC being involved in it. Uh, this last year, national championship was the second worst since the college football playoff started. And it was Alabama and Georgia, right? I mean, I think there's a national fatigue with that. So broadening it out, bringing in another network, driving up the price from both networks also is going to help. I think it helps the sport, makes it, look, makes it look bigger. And it's already big, but makes it look bigger than it already is. So when are they, are they accepting bids now, does it say? Well, it's, the story says that ESPN, if this thing starts in 2024, for example, it notes that ESPN obviously has the contract. Right. So they could negotiate something now in the meantime to pay out more money to get this thing going in 2024-25, giving them the inside track for 2026 when it goes to bid at that point. And I was, I was confused by what Sankey was saying. Sankey over the weekend said he wasn't sure if everything could get lined up. And I, what he's saying now makes sense based on this report because he, he's discussing the television contracts. He's not, he's not thinking about the actual format itself or getting the bowl games lined up. That, that, that's the easy part, negotiating uh, the split and the rotation of the actual championship game because you, you want to build up to the final four. Well, and Greg Sankey told Paul Feinbaum also said that, hey, this is something that we fully expect multiple networks to get involved, right? This is Greg Sankey, who is joined at the hip and married to ESPN Mm -hmm. right now, is saying, no, we expect that we're going to be taking bids from other networks on the college football playoff. If Greg Sankey's saying that, Mr. ESPN, that means that for sure Fox is getting involved. And don't discount CBS and NBC, making a play as well for some piece of this. And it's also uh, his television partner, Disney, likely telling him they're not going to pay the Double. premium. Yeah, they're not going to pay the premium price to own all of it uh, whenever they can split it and still get in the rotation for the, the playoff, the, the four-team playoff, and host the national championship on your network. Feels and like either way, you're covering NFC it. Thing. They're going to make a lot of money either yep. way. We are back at it tomorrow. Join us as we get ready for week one across the NFL and Outkick 360. Don't block the box, and please, please lock your locks.